Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Please welcome to Actuarial People, Kylie Arbon. Hi James, happy to be here. Good, good. How are you today? Good. Yeah, thanks. Not too bad. If it was, uh, yeah, just tail end of colds. I think everyone's got a cold at the moment, but yeah, not feeling too bad. Yeah, you were saying before we hit records that the children are back at school now, so they'll bring everything home with them. Yep, 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 back at school. I mean, yeah, we used to get it all from nursery anyway, so, but but yeah, <laughs> it's that, uh, always when they come back together again, don't they, for the start of term, they bring bring all the illness together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for, for joining me today, and uh, we'll talk about your career history today. We've got lots of things to talk about, but I wondered if we can start off by just giving anyone listening a feel for who you are and what you do today, and then we'll go back to the beginning and, uh, and work from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I am a pensions actuary, qualified pensions actuary, um, have worked uh, or sort of solely in, uh, in a pensions consultancy uh, throughout my career. So done, you know, all, all, all the usual and we'll, we'll cover, I'm sure, in more, in more detail, uh, sort of, uh, you know, general trustee actuarial um, advice. Uh, and I'm now in a role, um, I've gone sort of slightly more operationals side. So I'm now head of transformation uh, at Broadstone, so covering their consulting and actuarial uh, part of the business. So everything from actuarial um, advice, uh, but through to all the admin uh, side of things as well and, and investment and and consulting. And uh, so I've got uh, a team of people and we look at uh, sort of change management effectively and, and business improvement and uh, sort of assessing what, what we're doing currently. Um, and, and how we could potentially make it better. Excellent. Plenty of things to dig into a bit later on. But I wondered if we can start where I always do, which is asking you to cast your mind back to when you first discovered that actuaries existed. Yeah. So I think for me, it was um, first year, I think, of university. Uh, and we were asked to do a kind of careers module. Um, so and I think, you know, the idea was, you you know, have a have, pick something you, you didn't really know much about and write it or that you thought you might be interested in. Uh, and write a sort of a do a bit of research, write a role, role profile, that sort of thing. So, um, and and to be honest, at that point, I I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, you know, looked at the list, and top of the list was accountancy. I thought, oh, I kind of I know, I know what that is. Um, of you know, what what's next? Um, actually, oh, okay, no, don't. <laughs> don't have good old alphabetical one. lists are helping yeah. the profession, are they? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be top of the list, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I had to look at and, you know, and so did that. But to, I mean, to be honest, at that point, I, like I say, I, I wasn't really focusing on what it was I wanted to do. I think I thought, oh, yeah, sounds, you know, mathsy. Um, I was doing at the time a degree in uh, maths with meteorology, which is probably slightly unusual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because uh, mainly, I mean, I, I've always loved maths. I've always been good at it. Always, you know, thought, yeah, that's probably, you know, what I want to do. Um 
but when I was thinking about university courses, I thought, is it a bit boring just to just to do maths? Um, thought you know, wanted to sort of stick something else on, and um, and I'd I'd always been fairly interested as well in sort of environmental science or you know sort of geography, geology, that sort of thing. Um, so came across uh, yeah the course at Reading that was maths and meteorology. So um, you know studying that. So I had I have always had this core sort of well I could do maths. Um, and I was aware of, you know, lots of things like accountancy and then the actuarial work. Um, but then also had this slight side idea that, oh, maybe maybe I want to do something a bit more sort of environmental, though. Um, and, and yeah, so at first year of uni, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that sounds interesting. Ticked, ticked a box on the, on the careers module and then and then basically forgot about it <laughs> <laughs> for, for a while. Um, and then came back to it end of year three or when, when, when did you pick up those thoughts? Well, sort of. I actually, so when I graduated, I actually did, I would, I did go and work as an environmental consultant for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and it, so when I graduated and was looking for a job, and again, for me, like I wasn't, I know lots of people now get to sort of, what is it, like end of year two and then start thinking about what programs they want to apply for. I was completely not like that at all. I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll graduate and then I'll work out what I want to do afterwards. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so graduated, then thought, had this sort of, okay, well, like math, started applying for sort of mathsy roles, uh, but also I'm quite, you know, I think maybe this, this sort of environmental science stuff you know, might be interesting and thought, well, you know, if, if I'm going to do it, I might as well try it now. So I did have a couple, I think at the time I had a, an offer to, to work as a data analyst, I think, for an insurance company um, and also a, a, this environmental consultancy job. And I thought, oh, I'm sure I can come back to the maths more easily. So I went off and tried it. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those, you know, yeah, it wasn't really for me. I think after a couple of years, I was like, actually, no, I do really like maths. kind of <laughs> miss it. I, I want to do something a bit more analytical. Um, and I think at that point, well, sorry. So so when I had graduated, I had, I had had a recruiter basically say, oh, actually, for your skill set, you know, have you thought about being an actuary? And I'd remember thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard of that before. But you know, okay, put it, you know, and again, put it, put it the back of the mind, but, but had it there. Um, so when I decided, okay, no, tried out the environmental consultancy, don't want to do that. Uh, let's go back to this idea of, of actuarial work. Um, and at the time we were, we were thinking of moving into the Bristol area. And I remember Googling Bristol actuarial jobs and, and, you know, lists came up and I just started looking, you know, working through those and looking and, and yeah, got, um, got a role at, well, uh, BBS consultants and actuaries, as they were back then, um, yeah. which and effectively have, have have never left. Still there. We're, we're now, um, you know, under a different name, but but uh, yeah, that's where I've come through. And how much you did a bit of research, but how how much did you know about what an actuary really does? And I mean, had also did you did you choose pensions as a result of knowing what that involved, or was it? Yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, no. So the pen pensions was entirely accidental. Effectively, I, I hadn't. Again, I, I was sort of following my nose. I think I've always followed my nose as to um, just what do I think I might enjoy. Um, and I'd read, you know, I, so I sort of read the, you know, I know I know roughly what a, what an actuary in, entailed. You know, I'd read about the studying and thought, oh, that's okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm relatively good at studying and exams and. Um, and I just, you know, learned that it's just lots of number crunching, mathy stuff. I thought, oh, that all sounds exciting. And yeah, no. And so I, like I say, I'd literally said, you know, actuarial jobs in Bristol. And then the first ones that came up just happened to be in pensions. 
and that's kind of where I landed. Yeah. Um, so that that wasn't no, I don't think that was a conscious decision. Um, and you know, I think that does come up every so often of, of like, well, you know, I, you know, I, and you might know this better than me, but um, I think you know, if if you, you get the skills, um, it's probably relatively easy to switch industry or it's one of those things where there's probably you know there's lots of different opportunities within pensions or there's lots of different you know, opportunities within insurance and you're not necessarily sort of pigeonholing yourself in if you go down either but um no entirely <laughs> entirely by chance that one um and yeah i think i mean i don't know whether i really had put that much thought in i think this is probably a common theme for my entire career <laughs> i suppose is that i don't you know i just kind of follow my nose as to what it is i enjoy doing um and you know but obviously there's some planning in there and a little bit of like okay well i can you know, if i think about this i might think about what comes next but i'd never really had that full long term um you know that that question in interviews of you know wh where do you see yourself in five years you know i've always found that quite difficult because well, i don't really know i know this is what i want to do now yeah. <laughs> um, and and where i might want to be in about a year from now but but yeah not too much beyond that yeah so how do you remember your first few weeks and months how, how was it once you started uh, yeah i remember i remember just really enjoying it um but as well it was just and it's a lot you know a, a lot of um you, you know, I was straight into studying, so I think I'd, I think they'd already, you know, I'd already got some exam material ordered for me, sort of thing when I, when I started. Um, so it was straight into right. Here's some stuff to study. Go home and you know look at that. Oh, and then you know the day job, a lot of just a lot of learning, a lot of of, of picking stuff up. But um, you know, a really really supportive environment. Um, everyone's you know very happy to help, and I, I think that's probably the, you know, just as true now as it was. Um, you know, I'm going back about 12 years ago when I started. Um, so I think, yeah, steep, steep learning curve, um, but but lots to get involved in. And just, yeah, breadth of experience. I mean, I so when I joined um, BBS, we were a very small um, organisation. I think, I can't I remember exactly, but somewhere between sort of 30, maybe 40 employees, that sort of, that sort of size. So coming into a, a relatively small team, it meant, I just got to do a bit of everything, um, which was really nice. Throw, you know, thrown in at the deep end with with a lot of different things, but but that exposure was really good. So from day one, it was very um, varied, um, and and plenty of opportunities to get involved in in different things. How how early did the consulting bit come in? Were you going out to meetings earlier than you expected? Um, not really for me. So that that was one sort of element that didn't come a fair bit later um that was partly and I, I don't think that's necessarily a true reflection of, of the industry as a whole i think that was sort of just circumstances um at, at the time so i think i started getting into meetings sort of properly quite heavily actually only when i started thinking about possibly being a schematry and realizing oh okay no to do that i need to i really need to you know obviously a, a large element of that is is getting into meetings so um and again you know may well there maybe this is my some some of my lack of uh, of of for for planning um i suppose but the first uh, sort of 3 to to 5 years of my career were really more focused in on just on the sort of back office 
um, work. I mean, obviously generating quite a lot of, of reports and, and, and stuff that was going out to clients. Um, but yeah, but my, I sort of just didn't, didn't necessarily push for it or didn't, or, di- you know, didn't quite get the push to, to go client facing. So, so without the, the client facing element, if you think about those first four or five years before you started pushing in that direction, how did the role sort of change year on year? You must have been obviously building up your technical knowledge, getting better at what you do, but how, what did progression look like? Hi guys, we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second. Just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves, and I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years' experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now, or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of the first year was, yeah, a lot of learning, a lot of doing. Um, And then pretty much exactly a year after I joined, we had our next sort of actuarial student came in. Okay. Um, And all of us, so and and then there was an expectation, oh, you know, you, you can train train this next person coming in I thought oh god that feels scary I don't, I've only been here yeah I don't know what I'm doing um, <laughs> and actually that was really really helpful because as soon as you sit down and, and start to try to explain things to other people you suddenly realize oh actually no I do know I do know what I'm doing I do know what I'm talking about um, and, and starting to you know learn those, those develop those skills around you know explaining um, how things work which helps with you know certainly with clients um a bit later on so i think it was just you know uh, as you go through you just get a lot more of the complicated things so you know you start off with the say the easier schemes or the easier types of calculations and then you know move on to the more um either more complex or more sort of bespoke um you know might get more involved in in projects that are a bit unusual or something maybe that we've not really done before um and and get stuck into those uh yeah elements of training um a bit more sort of management or people management you got involved in sort of just workflow management that sort of thing um and then probably also uh i don't know yeah you know i can't can't pinpoint the time but probably a couple of years in where i started thinking about how we could do things better Mm -hmm. um and working you know working somewhere in uh, that's that's that small and you know you've got you know effectively you know the owners of the business that you high level management are just sitting over there uh you know and 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 you can just look at something and go okay well you know this is the way we've been doing it but actually you know me sitting here doing this I can see that we could make this a bit better um can I just change that and they'll be oh yeah of course yeah go for it um so I started getting into doing things like that I imagine a lot of people wouldn't say much in that situation, but you did. Possibly, yeah. And I, you know, I think um, one of the things one of the things I've I've found throughout my entire career is you you get um, like imposter syndrome. So you know, people talk about that a lot, right? And 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 I think there's probably a large number of people that at some point will feel an element of that. Um, and uh, particularly my you know my my role that I'm in now, and 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 thinking, well, what you know. I've kind of, I've always done this. I've always looked at something and gone, oh, that could be better. Can we just, you know, and I've, I'll put my hand up and say, can we, can we 
do something about that. Um, and then, you know, obviously that has then my career is kind of headed in that direction. And, and now I have responsibility for doing a lot of that. And I think, well, why? Why are people, you know, thinking that I'm good at that? Why? Um, and then you do realize, well, actually, a lot of the time, it's just that other people, for me, it seems really natural and it seems really obvious. Um, but actually, that's, you know, that isn't natural and obvious to, to, to other people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, there's plenty of aspects that I'm not natural at, uh, that someone else will be. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it, I think it is. And, and this is one of the things around um, why I think it's really good to just kind of follow your nose a bit in that way, because I think if you, if you, if you think all, oh, uh, oh, I, you know, we're not, either we're not doing something different or, or you think something could be diff done differently, or you think, right, well, I'm doing this role or I'm, I'm on this project or this job, but there's something else happening over there that I think I might be better at. Um, you should always say something, like always say, oh, actually, that's something I'm interested in. Can mm. I can I try doing that? Because it's not always obvious to other people that you might want that or that you might be good at that. Yeah. Um, and I think if you follow that, you will sort of naturally end up doing things that you like doing. And I mean, and that helps. I think you know, having having a role, having a job that you like, I think is um, is always really, really beneficial to everyone <laughs> around you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if if somebody's listening to this and they they're still at uni, maybe they're on a maths course, actuarial science, they've they've thought about perhaps swinging actuaries for me. I've had a few people recently that have sort of. I think one person said he was a year into the job before he really got his head around what it involved and what it looked like. And how would you describe the role of a pensions actuary to someone who is thinking about becoming one but has zero experience? I think in some ways it's quite it's quite difficult to answer because it can look quite different in in or you can make it into 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 something different. So it can be or it, well you know typically at least when you're starting out it is quite technical. So the pensions world is full of technical complications. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, bits of legislation that have come out over the years. And so there's loads of, you know, if you're interested in that sort of technical detail, there's, you know, it's it's brilliant. It's perfect. There's loads of stuff you can, you can get your head around. Um, and then also there's obviously the actuarial side that's very technical and, and numbery and um, that side of things. Um, but equally, if if that's and and you know, I guess you have to you have to go through at least an element of that uh, in order to qualify and and you know and get through. Um, but then also, there's a large side that is more consulting. So if that's what you're interested in, you know, it's going out, meeting people, um, you know, learning about businesses and how they you know operate because that will you know have knock-on effects in how they might want to run their pension schemes. Um, investment i mean we have you know we have a lot of sort of pensions actuaries who've kind of you know headed more towards the investment side there's obviously a ton you know that's one, one area I'm, I'm not as familiar with but you know if you like investment markets you can you know you can go down that route um and you know this, this is one of the things i found was that i think there's always well there, there can be a bit of a tendency to think well you you know you, if you want to be an actuary you qualify as a pensions actuary and then you become a scheme actuary and that's sort of the like natural progression, um, but actually, there's really not. There's there's loads of opportunities for you to almost stay and specialise in in a, either at a different level. Like if you if you're just really interested in doing all the number crunching and actually think, oh, I don't really want to go out and be the one, you know, talking to clients. 
there's loads of opportunities to just stay in in that sort of a role um or you know more sort of people management or going a slight segue and doing something like what I'm doing where you go a bit more off off into operations um so yeah so it's quite a, it's quite a difficult question to answer I think of, of what it looks like but I think a, a lot of it is challenging it is a lot to learn um you do need to be fairly good at exams um and, and good at maths but equally there's quite a lot of um more sort of fi- like economics financial economics that that side of things as well in in the exam structure um so it is it's very varied that's uh, good i mean yeah ev- everybody's answer will be different but just hearing an answer um i think will help a lot of people so so thanks for that and uh, you, you touched on exams how I get the impression you that was one of the bits you were quite comfortable with going into it, but how did you find it in reality? I've got a full-time job, I've got the exams. Did you sort of fly through them or did, did bits of that present challenges? Yeah, it's so, I mean, it's definitely not easy. I, I don't know, you know, I was lucky, I guess. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what, what word is, but um, I, I had one fail, um, but I did take them relatively slowly. So it took me five years to qualify, which, you know, I, I might be slightly more. So I did take my time. Um, I made sure that, you know, if I had something else, you know, important happening in my life. So, for example, I, I got married whilst I was studying. So I, you know, I took one exam sitting and said, well, actually, you know, I just need to focus on something in my private life. I, you know, I'll take a step back from the exams for that sitting. Um, so, you know, I did more of a slow and steady approach. And I think... It does, you know, exam, sitting exams. Some people are good at exams, right? So whether or not you're good at learning the material, um, some people are just good at sitting exams. And I think I've probably always been one of those people that's just quite good at exams. Um, To be honest, I don't know whether I would be good at them now. Uh, You know, but obviously when I did them, they were all pen and paper. You sat in a room and you scribbled and by the end your hand was numb because you couldn't write anymore. Um, now the shift to online and, and doing a lot of typing, um, you know, I, 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 I see some of the, the current students sort of struggling with that and think, yeah, I, that seems really hard to me. Um, so yeah. And, and, and obviously now there's this, a bit more of a shift as well because of that, um, a bit more sort of open book. So you're, they're really, you know, testing your understanding of things. I think, oh gosh, yeah, might've been, might've been much harder. Yeah. It sounds it, but um, yeah, good old writing. I, I had to write something the other day, and I realised it's been a long time since I've written anything on a bit of paper, and I couldn't make, I couldn't do it. <laughs> My hand wouldn't move how it used to. It was really odd. Now everyone's just there on laptops and and all sorts. It's a different experience. Yeah, completely different. Um, and the other thing, I suppose, actually, just to say about like study, I you know. So, you know, companies will give you know, lots of support around study leave um, and, and, and materials and all, all that kind of thing. And, but I think it is, you know, everyone's a bit different as well and just finding how, how study leave fits in with your life, you know. So, um, and, and um, there's lots of different ways that people can do it. I mean, I've seen people over the years who are just, you know, not that great at studying ahead of time and we'll just cram right at the end and you know and that works for them I was always much more of a planner I had my you know I'd set out my months of stuff and have like a colored timetable and all that kind of thing um and you know and, and plan it out and do it um 
and and you know and I was I, I tended to try and do as much of the studying as I could during the week so that I have my weekends free um but I know you know other people w- would probably do slightly different patterns and yeah I think it's just about finding out what's right for you and um and you know making sure that you are uh, sort of just applying your strengths to it or you know wh- whatever works for you you know make make the most of it yeah, and for people that are yet to start their career, it, I mean, most people will get roughly a day off a week for study. Is that enough or is it actually you have your day and then you need to do a few evenings during the week as well, do you think? Or does it depend on the person? Yeah, quite a bit more, I would say. I mean, again, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I so I, I definitely put in more than that. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I would have uh, two afternoons, typically, you know, two, two afternoons a week um off to study but then I would probably be doing at least a couple of hours in the evening sort of every day of the week so like I say I, you know I tried to sort of squeeze it in a bit more sort of Monday to Friday but um yeah I can't add, add that up in my head but um, it, it is a fair amount of time that you have to dedicate it to it outside of 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 work hours or you know whatever hours you, you get given out of out of your work allocation um so I, you know, it does need to be something that you want to do, because I think if you, you know, if you don't, if you're not really that driven for it, then you won't, you know, you just won't dedicate the time to it, um, or if you're just really not enjoying it, you won't, you know, it'd be a hard slog. Yeah. And how how did you feel when you did qualify? Oh well, I mean, amazing. <laughs> you know, it is so much hard work. Uh, and I, I was sort of banking on that last one being a pass, uh, because I, I sat the last exam whilst I was pregnant. Uh, Um, so, and I, you know, I went into it thinking it was about the time, you know, the right sort of time in my personal life to, for us to start having, you know, having children. And I always had this, well, you know, as long as I've gotten my first sitting done, you know, if I fail it, I'll always, you know, I'll, I'll come back to it after I've had kids. And I mean, I'm really glad that I passed it because I think (laughs) studying with, uh with with a little baby around would have been far more difficult than i'd initially anticipated but um yeah no i mean really really good you know i mean that build up i think and in some ways i i always found that almost the exams aren't the the bit that's hardest it's waiting for the exam result or like getting getting that exam result and then oh you know however it arrives now you know now um looking at it and go oh did i pass did i fail that <laughs> like that feeling of sort of anxiety is always worse than than sitting the exam in the first place yeah yeah fine so so you you sort of said earlier you you didn't really put much of a focus on the consulting bit for a few years did that align with when you qualified was it a case of qualify right what's next maybe scheme actually i need to get out and meet clients did it happen that way and obviously you've you were pregnant at that time as well so lots of change going on um yeah yeah I think I remember you know a lot of things I think um there was a bit back then it was uh, sort of right now yeah now you're qualified what's the next thing um be partly from myself and, and those around me and and I think it was a right you know we do need to start getting you involved in clients um yeah getting pregnant sort of complicated that a little bit I think it's probably safe to say I mean um and uh you know rightly or wrongly um i yeah probably at that point thought okay well there's not you know there's not much point to making too many sort of relationship or trying to build too many relationships when i know that i'm i'm you know going to go off on a period of maternity leave but um but equally yeah you know there's still plenty plenty of opportunities to to get out there and just uh you know 
observe some meetings at least get you know get start gaining that experience because i mean I, I think in my career that is probably something that i did leave a little bit too late um and and uh, you know i'm although with all of this stuff you know i'm right now i'm in an amazing place and i'm I'm really happy with what i'm doing um so you know ultimately, that's the main it, thing it, isn't it, it made no difference yeah. but yeah exactly so um but i think you know if 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 my ultimate aim was to have been at that schema tree um then i think possibly yeah i did you know i I should have probably focused on that a bit earlier um and tried to get into into some more meetings but you know i i mean at that point i did think that being a schema tree is what i wanted to or you know was the direction i was going but mainly just because that's what everyone else around me was doing well i was just going to ask i mean when when you're i mean schema tree is an obvious thing that everyone's heard of but are the other options all that clear early on in your career or do you think that's what many people see as the only option? Maybe that or or people manager, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, probably back then, it yeah, it certainly wasn't very obvious. I mean, it could because I was working in a, a relatively small um environment, we did, you know, we there weren't that many people to to look at and go, okay, I want to do that or that. Um I think now, so now I'm um, you know, at Broadstone, we there's far more um, different elements and you can see it and you can see everyone working in, in different teams and different specialisms. Um, you know, we have loads of different sort of, you know, if, if you're particularly interested in doing say buyout work, we've got, you know, um, a, a buyout team effectively that, you know, that you could go off and specialize in. So I think, and uh, so I guess that's probably just born out of the fact that I started off in a very small, uh, you know, a smaller environment that, that I didn't have that as visible. I think in, in a slightly larger organisation, you probably would have that far more sort of, yeah, a bit more obvious. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you, presumably next you go, you, you have your have your baby, go on maternity leave. What was your experience of, I guess, coming back? How long did you have off? And then was it smooth coming back? Were you, were you worried about how it might impact things or? Yeah, um, so... I came back, so I, I took a relatively short maternity. So I, I now have two two little boys, um, okay. and with both of them, I'm so I am like I'm definitely not cut out to be a stay at home mum. That was <laughs> you know relatively evident, uh, relative, sort of early on. <laughs> um, I you know I like the the sort of the the sort of challenge that that work gives me. Um, so I I think I took about sort of seven months off with each of them. Um, came back part-time after both. Uh, so initially, I think after my first, I came back three days a week. Um, and that was, you know, like, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then and then a couple of days, you know, two days uh, not working. And, yeah, it was all right. It was quite a change. Um, so, you know, sleepless nights, and then trying to get back into it. Um, it had felt like a lot of change in the pensions industry in seven months. It's quite, you know, in in recent times, that's also the case that you know a lot can change uh, in 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 seven months. Um, but no, I mean it all comes back quite quickly. Um, I think the working part. So you know, yeah, I did the three days a week. I've I've done various different um, patterns. Uh, I um, did, you know did sort of three and a half days for a bit. Um, we talked as well. So when sort of COVID came along, that that messed. <laughs> You know, such a massive impact in in a lot of different ways. But um, you know, I, I went back to full time for a little bit during that period, and then and now I'm I'm doing four days a week. Um, but I do it uh, for so both both of my my are, are at school now, 
Uh, so I work four days over five. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in in the office virtually at least uh, every day, but I, I work shorter days. Um, and it, yeah, there's a variety of of sort of different impacts that that has. Um, uh, one, you know, where I think when you're working, say the pattern where you're, you know, you're in for like three days and then out. Um, there is that sort of like, oh, you're not there for those two days and everyone else is there. And, you know, I, I think there's more of that feeling of, of um, you know, sort of you're only there part time, you know, and, and that might have sort of slight negative. But so one of, one of the things um, that I found with this actually is that it's difficult to know sometimes whether things are an actual issue perceived by other people or whether it's something that I'm putting on myself. Um, and, and this, the, the part-time working was, was something that I, um, I've, oh, well, we could talk about mentoring programs. So I, I participated in um, the actuarial mentoring program and we can sort of talk about that in, in a bit more in a, in a minute, but, but this was one um, sort of conversation that came up as part of that. Um, and I remember saying, you know, having a discussion with my mentor around, well, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a negative thing if I'm if I'm, you know, dealing with clients or something, if I say, oh, no, I can't, you know, I can't come to that meeting or can we rearrange because that's my that's my part time day off um, and thinking like, oh, is that going to be, you know, a client's going to like that? Is that something that's sort of detrimental to, you know, to relationships? Um and they and my mentor at the time really challenged me to thinking, well, actually, is that is that actually true? Is that, you know, do, does that client care? Do they, you know, do they mind that, you know, there, there's loads of reasons why people might not be available on a particular day. Yeah. Um, you know, is it actually detrimental or is that just something that I'm, you know, projecting almost onto myself? Um, and that was really helpful for me, actually, because I thought, no, actually, no. OK, yeah, you're right. There's. Um, you know, effectively, all of our actuarial students are, are part-time. They, you yeah. know, they take study afternoons. They're not around certain times of the week. Um, you know, schematries are extremely busy people. <laughs> they're, you know, they're never there, 100% for one client all of the time. Um, and so thinking through things like that really, really helped me thinking, oh, okay, yeah, actually, this is more about how I frame things for myself. Um and 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 making sure that I'm I'm not making a big deal out of something that 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 really isn't. So, um, you know, if you ask me about you know, as you have <laughs> about how how did part time you know impact on things, um, it's it's, I think real like looking back now, I don't think it really had as big an impact as I thought. You know, I've I've progressed, um, exactly as I would have hoped. Uh, you know, and and you know, maybe some some things that have happened in my career might have happened slightly quicker if I was full time, but you know, to be honest, I'm not sure they would have done really, um, because I think a lot of time you get experience just over the period, just over a longer period of time of of just doing things more, um, and you know, whether you're working three days, four days, five days, I'm not sure it has as much of an impact on that as as people might think. Yeah. And you, you work different patterns. I think you said you started on three days, you tried three and a half, you're currently doing four, but over five days. Is that you still trying to work out the right balance or is it more just adapting to the circumstances you're in and just having the freedom to, to work flexibly? Yeah, so I think it's it's 
it's mainly changed um just through the kids getting slightly older so like i say they've um so both of them are now in school i think so prior to either of them being in school so when they were both in 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 nursery um it was much you know those can be quite long days Hmm. for them so i you know I, i could quite easily fit in um you know a a full seven hour day or whatever seven and a half hour you know um day whereas the shift to school when all of a sudden they're in like nine till three and you go oh my gosh well how am i going to fit i can't fit in a nine to five and you know obviously there are you know there's there's wraparound care and and that sort of thing but it's mainly been that sort of shift that shift from from sort of nursery time to, to into school time where i've made the change and you know i Remote working, I think, has, has really helped me um, fit make you know make that fit. Um, so you know, when I came back from from maternity leave the the first time round, uh, trying to think back, but it would have been well, about twenty seventeen that sort of time. Um, you know, we were in the office. Remote working wasn't a thing really. Nobody, you know, nobody was uh, was was doing it. Certainly at my organisation back then. So it was a okay. So how do I, you know, fit in the time and, um, and, and then obviously COVID, um, came along and, and, you know, we all switched to remote work and thought, okay, well, this is, it, it is definitely much easier to fit in those short school days, um, being at home. Cause I, you know, my school is literally a two minute walk down the road. Um, but that does have negative, um, impacts as well I find so I mean I, uh, it's working quite well for me at the moment doing those short days um, but lack of commute is definitely something that um, it doesn't help the, that switch that sort of switch in your brain from work mode to yeah. home or mum mode for me um, and, and that is something I've you know I, I've been working on it um, but it's still really really difficult and you know not that I want to commute, you know, <laughs> and I do, and you know, I do still go in the office, um, you know, uh, on, when when I need to, um, but I do find, you know, that there are pros and cons, right, with 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 any sort of working pattern, and and that's definitely something that's a bit of a con, I think, with 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 the one I'm I'm currently doing. That sort of, right, I can literally, you know, turn off my computer at three o'clock, run down the road, and my brain's still going. Or there was that email you didn't answer, or there was that question that we were thinking about, and it's still going in in yeah in work mode. Yeah, I know what you mean. When I when I lived in London, it was um, the outskirts of London. It was Teddington, so the commute was still an hour and fifteen each way, and it's kind of time in the morning to gear up for work, and then you know the same at the other end where you're sort of by the time you're home, you've just about forgotten about all the things that went right or wrong that day, and um, you can relax and. And I don't have that anymore. I find I do do a lot of cooking now, <laughs> particularly in the evening. I can sort of cook for half an mm. hour, put some headphones in, listen to a podcast or watch a bit of a film. And that's maybe me replacing the commute, just getting a bit of time to wind down rather than just straight from work to right boys, what are we doing now kind of thing. Yeah, completely. I um, So we, we mentioned around... Um, mentoring. I mean, I think I I would like to talk about mentoring in a bit more because I I think it's really really valuable. Um, but one of the things I've I've also done relatively recently was um, some life coaching. So I because I about you know probably this time last year it was probably fairly sort of safe to say I had uh, you know I was kind of overwhelmed on that brink of like um, you know just trying to balance lots of different things and and that was an element to it. It was you know the fact that I was 
just not really being able to switch off properly from work. Um, then, you know, the kids, uh, you know, still really early years of ones in school with all of the school schedule and trying to remember, you know, when they're supposed to be doing their spelling homework and all that kind of thing. And then someone, you know, other one in nursery and just trying to balance a whole ton of stuff. And um, so I did a, um, a, a six months uh, sort of life, life coaching course with a, with a really amazing uh, lady who's actually an actuary turned life coach. Um, and yeah, she helped me sort of work through a lot of that of, of thinking, okay, well, so yes, yeah, so you don't have that physical commute anymore, but there are ways of, of, you know, of shutting down the work brain and, and, and picking up the, the home brain and, yeah. um, and, and, and just making sure that, you know, I'm actually putting boundaries in place and making sure I'm, I'm not letting work sort of balloon into this big thing that just takes over my whole life. Um, that actually, no, it's really, really important that I'm prioritizing home life and prioritizing myself as well in, in amongst all of that. Cause, um, yeah, it's, it's quite hard to do, but that was, yeah, yeah something that I've, I found very, very valuable. So I am keen to, to talk about, well, you've mentioned two things, mentoring and, and coaching. There are probably a lot of people out there that haven't really delved into either of them. And some of those people might also be tempted to just bundle the, the two together, mentoring slash coaching, and just think that's, you know, almost a, a form of training. Can we start off with what's the difference between a mentor and a coach? And then what's your experience been with each one? Yeah, well, I'll give it a go. It's always one of those things that's... Uh... I know there is a difference, um, but it, it does tend to blur a little bit. So I think from, from where I've heard, met, mentoring is more about having a relationship where you can, so as a mentee, <laughs> as the person being mentored, um, you've got space to just sort of explore, you know, some any sort of issues you're having or, or something where you think, oh, I'd, I, you know, I'd like, I'm, you know, I want to develop more in that space, but it's, it's more you leading it. So you're you know, it's just safe space to bounce ideas off of someone who has different experiences to you. Potential, you know, it works quite well if if they're um, they have different experiences. Um, but really, it's you sort of leading that kind of right. What is it I need? What would I like to find out more about? And and um, developing and and there is quite a, it's a very much a two way relationship. I find with that one, like I've so I've I've been a mentee and also a mentor. Um, and I think you learn almost as much in in either seat, because um, uh, we so we have an internal at Broadstone we have an, in, an internal mentoring program um, now. So I'm I'm men, I'm a mentor um, on that, and actually in particular the work environment, it's really really valuable um, for me as a, a sort of a, a manager leader um, to just find out how what it's like for you know for for more junior people and then equally it's really helpful for those junior people to have access to someone who's been through it before or done you know similar things but they don't feel that pressure of or if I say something really silly here it's my you know it's my line manager or um yeah whereas coaching then is a bit more about um so typically a coach would be a professional person who's you know does this uh you know knows exactly what they're doing and and they are more of a trainer so then then it's not training um but they you know they're there to to try and get out of you exactly you know so what is the issue challenge you and say what you know so you know, well, why do you think that, or what you know, what is it that that's really? Because often, what you think is the issue isn't necessarily. You need to sort mm. of drill down a little bit more. 
um, but but they are there more to then guide you and and give you sort of advice on how you might you know how you might change and make make things a bit better. So yeah, different things, useful for different um, sort of different things. Yeah. Uh, but but really important. I mean, and I think mentoring is one of those things that's just so valuable at any point. Um, I did so. I I participated in my university's mentoring program. So after I was in you know the world of work, um, mentored. Uh, I did it a couple couple of times. Um, student, you know, undergrads who were at that point of trying to work out what is it they wanted to do after university. Um, so obviously that was helpful for them. That was good for me just to sort of have that experience of being a mentor. Um, then. Well, I say now I'm, uh, you know, I'm a mentor in, in the work program as well. But then I was mentored <laughs> through the the actuarial mentoring program, okay. um, which I think is 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 going again. It's something like six years or something now. I think that's been running, um, and that, and that was really really good. So that's a cross company and well and also cross division. So it's it's affiliate. You know, it's part part of the profession um, or supported by the profession. So. Um, you know, so I went in as a, uh, I can't remember, I think, uh, I think I was qualified. Yeah, I, I was a, you know, relatively newly qualified pensions actuary um, and got paired up with a someone from the insurance um, industry working for a different company, um, you know, was a fair more senior than me, but but brilliant to have that. Right, okay, so, you know, so this is, and, and like I said before, I, you know, I had to that point, I you know, relatively newly gone part-time, um, you know, having a lot of, you're dealing with a lot of things of thinking like all you know what impacts that can have on me what you know how do I navigate my actuarial career doing that um, and she was really really helpful um, with just just to bounce ideas off it's that sort of like oh maybe you know what about this and 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 just thinking okay well yeah that's you know if if there's something where you can make that work for you personally and also it helps your business um, and and the team of people that you're working with, then yeah, absolutely, go, you know, go for it. Um, How do people get involved with that if they'd like like to find a mentor for themselves? So the well, so the actual mentoring program is something that's that companies tend to sign up for. Okay. Um, I participated in it as an individual though, so I think every year they do have a couple of spots um that are effectively sp sponsored by the, the the companies that sponsor that program so if that is something you're interested in please you know I, I would encourage people to look that up um i kind of qualified for one of those places because i had just relatively recently come back from maternity leave um, and that was one of the criteria for for you know for for, for getting a, a spot um but then to be honest as well with other you know that there are lots of different programs around but equally you can just do things a bit more informally um i and i think in retrospect you know looking back over my career there have been times where i have been mentored but not in a necessarily a formal way but you know colleagues that i've worked with have really just put a lot of time into you know helping explain things to me or just really taking me under their wing and said you know oh i've got this really good opportunity do you want to come and do this and i'll you know help you through it and I think you know there are lots of opportunities out there to get that kind of support, and you know it might not be labelled mentoring, but it is. Um, you know, always say yes to stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really helpful. 
in in the run up to us recording this, I think you know, I, I, James, I sent you a couple of notes of things that I sort of said, oh, I really, you know, I want to, I want to make sure I cover this, and, and coaching was was one of those things, because um, I think it's the sort of thing we just don't necessarily talk about a lot. Um, I think you know, I know there's lots of um, a big push on things like mental health um, and making you know well-being and, and and making sure we're supporting colleagues and things. And um, you know, I remember when when I started thinking, oh, actually the I think this is something I need. I think, you know, I, I'm feeling super, you know, stressed out. Everything's, you know, building up and, and I need, you know, to, to change something. Um, but I didn't, so I, you know, started doing these coaching sessions. Um, but I sort of fairly purposefully didn't tell people about it. I didn't, you know, so coll your colleagues are probably going to listen to this, I'm sure, or hopefully. Um, and, you know, it's not something I've, mentioned much at work um and i think it's partly just because you know there's there's always that thing in the back of your mind thinking of like well what you know why do i need that do i need that do, or you know is that going to be taken negatively and um so i was like no I'm, I'm, i want to talk about it because i want to make not you know just normalize it and say well yeah people need you get to the point where they need a bit of help um and actually there's loads of there's loads of good resources out there um, there's loads of people out there that can help you and you know it's absolutely fine to get to that point and think oh my gosh yeah I feel like I feel like this is a bit much um, and I need some some help some support and um, I think for me as well because my I was effectively just struggling a little bit with kind of work-life balance um, so because it didn't entirely fall you know it wasn't like a there's a problem with work. So, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, we, we've got lots of support, um, you know, at work or, but because it felt like it was a bit of everything. It was like, oh, where do I turn? What do I, what do I go to? And, and I'm, yeah, I'm really pleased I found uh, the coaching because it, it definitely helped me um, just to put that sort of, just to put everything into context, <laughs> realize, you know, I don't need to do everything. I just, you know, need to make sure I'm, I'm, you know, doing the right amount of everything and that actually, uh, you know, taking a step back from things every so often um, is really valuable and just stopping and thinking like, wow, I've got so much on. But actually, if you don't take that time to just stop and go, OK, but what's the most important thing? Then you end up, you know, potentially doing all the stuff that actually doesn't really matter. And then, you know, and it's still building up. You're not really uh you know not really ticking that many things off the list so yeah so that's kind of the reason I wanted to talk about it just make sure it's you know it, it's it's something that that everyone might come across at some point and think yeah I need a bit of help there and please you know always just talk to someone about it yeah and uh I won't ask you for any for any detail but presumably it must have been quite nice to be able to talk about things with your coach that maybe didn't feel that appropriate for, for example, obviously your manager, but, but, you know, even for a, for a mentor, it's a different kind of conversation. You can be more open and it gives you a space to raise things and think them through a bit more. Yeah. As, yeah. As I say, it's, it's all about having that kind of safe space, isn't it? And I think, you know, it would be great if every sort of line management relationship maybe was that but I you know I think realistically um you know there's a lot of reasons why you you well a you just potentially just don't have um enough time uh, to dedicate to some of these things um and and you know it yeah it 
there there will be aspects that you know that I talked about with my coach that I wouldn't you know absolutely wouldn't talk to somebody at work about you know again rightly or wrongly maybe it would you know it would be great if we could be that open uh right but um but but yeah I think it is just about finding the right way to just get everything off your chest get it out of your head um because I mean I think you know it's it's like that old saying isn't it like a problem shared is a problem halved um and and actually one of the things I've sort of taken away from the coaching uh and mentoring and various things is is just you know if you have something that you think is a problem think well you know if I talk to my best friend about this what would they say would they would they be like oh you know that's you know really you're you're really blowing that up it's not really that big a deal um just thinking that through you're thinking is that probably what they would say yeah okay yeah and and it almost immediately turns it into something um that's not a big deal and then obviously (laughs) there are other things you could go oh yeah no that is a big deal and then you can you know go and go and seek uh the appropriate support for for that uh whatever that is but perfect Well, well thanks very much for sharing that and you're right it's just about having a conversation letting people know that it's you know it's normal it's you know there's no reason we shouldn't speak about about anything that people go through and um and thanks thanks very much for doing so and if we if we sort of just just to sort of finish the the work bit so your your current job title if linkedin is correct is head of transformation so you've you've touched on little bits of what that involves but can can you tell us a bit more because that sounds sounds quite quite unique to to you i guess yeah really really interesting um so some of it um well or effectively the, the the role was created out of a bit of a need so so broadstone um if you know people aren't that familiar with it um has, has largely grown through acquisition so um we've over time just just brought together lots of small businesses um so and you know and that's great because you get lots of you know these are independent businesses that have been very successful in their own right bringing them together you bring together you know lots of great people lots of great ideas uh but lots of different systems <laughs> lots of different ways of doing things um so really my team one of one of the main things we we look at is saying right okay well you know we've got all these different ways of doing things can we identify which is the best or pick pick the best bits out of out of each um, you know, a different way of doing things um, and bring them together into one so that we can have, you know, a consistent, really, you know, best of breed, best practice approach to things. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of, you know, so it's integration, you know, integrating lots of different businesses um, together. Um, but a, a large part of it is, well, so so a large part of it is looking at systems, so, you know, calculation tools that we're using or, um, you know, just reports, diff, you know, making sure that we're being consistent with all our reporting. Um, but also a large element of it is uh, the sort of the more the change management. So, yes, yeah, so we decide something needs to change or, or but, you know, we be improved. Um, generally, nobody likes change. Mm-hmm. As a, I think <laughs> as a species, we, we tend to be um, fairly averse to change. So, you know, so some of it is just making sure that we're, um, you know, communicating as well as we can about that any any changes that are coming, um, making sure that when we are considering what you know if if we are going to sort of improve something or change something, how is that going to impact on people? Um, you know, what are they going to think about that? How you know do we need to develop training 
um, materials to sit alongside this. Um, and, and then, yeah, just making sure that we are implementing things in a way that, that people are actually going to use them. Um, I, you know, there's no point changing a system uh, and then people go, oh, I don't, well, I don't really like that. It's not, it's not really working. I'm, I'm just going to use this old, you know, revert back to old ways. So, um, so I thought, yeah, that's all quite interesting. I find that very, very interesting. And um, there's loads in there. There's loads of different challenges and problem solving um, elements. And I think that's where my kind of actuarial skills really sort of come in. Um, you know, I'm, I might not be doing the number crunching for, you know, for pensions calculation anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm taking those skills and thinking, right, okay, well, so we've got the, you know, got these other, these other problems over here and, and how do I, you know, sit down and go, right, that needs to change. So what impact does that have? If I change this little bit over here, it's going to knock on, you know, the knock on impact on, on all of these other things. And um, so I, I, I think the, you know, the years and years I spent as a as a as a pensions actuary looking at complicated calculations and um, or thinking through oh, a client has asked for this but is that what they really want is mm. that is that what they really need I think actually it's these other things they need and um, yeah lots of transferable skills and yeah just a really exciting time. Are you not doing the pensions piece at all or you, have you kept a couple of clients? Um, I've no I largely stepped away from it um, I think anyone that's done an internal sort of move such as this uh, will know that it's it can be quite difficult to step away from it uh, so you know I, um, I've still got you know client relationships um, uh, in place so I am you know I do, I do still do a bit here and there um, and particularly around we haven't mentioned it yet but um, GMP equalization mm-hmm. um, and I could probably hear half of the podcast listeners groaning at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we haven't mentioned it. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, but but I I mean that that was sort of what bridged the gap really for me from from doing the so I was doing the pensions consultancy um, work um, had a fair amount of experience in looking at looking after our admin systems so you know I I sort of came up through. Um, that you know the, the the way our admin systems work is that the, the actuarial teams um, are, are relatively heavily involved in in looking after those. So you know I had had my actuarial understanding. I knew how the admin systems worked. Um, GMP equalization came along as this big, you know, new thing that everyone needed to start doing, and we needed to build up processes around it. So I, you know, looked at that and thought, oh, I think I'm probably quite good at that. I put my hand up for that. Um, so started led our, our GMP equalization advisory team um doing exactly that just looking at right well what you know what what are the clients going to want to know about what what reports do we need to start setting up how are we going to do the calculations what does that need to look like um so I'm I'm still heavily involved in that mm-hmm. um and so and we'll do a bit of client um advice on that side just because I've done a lot of it and <laughs> so still still keep keep that up but um and really, that's what helped me then get into this role because because I'd done that on that that project. Well, and I say done it, still going. You know, there's, yeah. there's still a lot to do um, on 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 that side. But that really gave me the taste for kind of right. Well, we need we need all these new systems. We need, or, but but we need them to interact with our current ones. Um, you know, ultimately, we'll our calculation tools will spit out some numbers, and then we need to be paying those to our current pensioners. So our payroll system is going to need some changes. Um, and so that really, you know, when, when that was getting to the point of, right, well, we've, you know, we've done a lot of the, the large, um, elements of that, we thought, well, what's next? 
um, thought, well, actually, there's lots of these sorts of program projects going on. Um, and, and I just, I want to be a bit more involved in, in that side of things. Um, so again, followed my nose, thought, yeah. well, you know, client, client work, perfectly happy doing it, but actually I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in doing some of these, uh, sort of operational things. And, uh, yeah. And that's lots of what I'm doing now is, is looking at, you know, not just the actuarial side, but, um, you know, our administration systems, um, our you know, yeah payroll systems. How do we pay pensioners? You know, it's all really important systems. Really important that we're getting things right. Um, and great, you know, and, and Broadstone have got some amazing systems uh, and really, really amazing people. And it's just it's a really great opportunity. And I'm I'm really um, I'm really enjoying it, <laughs> as you might be able to tell. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's obvious you love working there. You know, the the different things you've had exposure to the you know the flexibility you've had around your your working patterns and everything it's obvious that you've 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 had a great time you've you've worked there for how long now 10 11 I can't even add up on LinkedIn 12, 12 years, 12 years. <laughs> um yeah tell us what what are they doing so well that's that's kept you there for such a long time so i th- i think and it, yeah like I said you know i've never worked anywhere else so you know i could be wrong um <laughs> but i what i really love is just the openness and the uh, the relatively flat sort of management structure we have, which means that people can just put their hand up and say, I think, you know, yeah, if, if you're like me and go, I think we should change this, it, you can ha- you can do it. People will listen to you. Um, there is room for loads of room for growth. Um, and that's kind of smaller feel means we're very supportive or you know it feels very supportive it feels like you know a lot of everyone knows each other um we we can support each other develop each other um i think that you know it's a really good team environment or team feel you know it's a very um everyone pulls together um and yeah it's just i think and it's easy to stay somewhere where you feel like things are done really well. Um, we do operate really well. We, like I say, because we're we were coming together of of biz, like tried and tested businesses, um, and it's always great when we get another business coming in and we go, oh yeah, we you know similar values, similar culture of just putting the client first and saying right, well how how can we operate things. To, to just really meet those needs and mm. do it in such a way that our staff feel valued um, and feel like they can input on things. Um, and then secondly, I think I think that what we touched on right at the very beginning around the opportunity to just get involved in everything. So, you know, I, I came in um, and you know, even people now, you know, will come into a, an actuarial team, um, and they will get exposed to everything. You know, there'll be individual calculations, full scheme calculations, schemes maybe going through buyout assessment, schemes that have been unfortunate to have you know some sort of issue come up, and there's rectification work or GMP equalization. We, you know, we being able to be involved in that breadth of of, of work um i i think is is really really good it's really exciting never get bored i think that's that's what i like about it the most 
Excellent. Well, um, thank you. And uh, if you've got time, we've 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 been recording for a bit longer than usual, but I would like to just finish on the on the three questions. Yeah. No. 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 I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, so, question number one is: What advice would you give to someone who's starting their career in pensions today? Oh, um, just tr- I mean, you know, if, if you're like I said before, if you're interested in technical work something really challenging you want to learn a lot about something it's i think it's amazing um i think you know the the breadth of opportunities you have is 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 really really good and i just say you know always say yes to new opportunities that come along you know within reason obviously you can't say yes to everything um but you know just put yourself out there and if you, you if you get an opportunity that comes along and you think oh actually no i'm not quite sure i'm ready for that um always just go for it. I mean, you know, if, if someone's offering you something, it's because they think you can probably do it. Um, and yeah, so always say yes. And follow your nose. Follow your nose. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Question number two is, what do you think the future looks like for UK pensions actuaries? And what role do people at your level have to play in that? Um, I think, I mean, it feels like it's changing all the time. <laughs> or at least the environment we're working in is, is changing all the time. Um, for me, one of, one of the biggest probably uh, challenges over the next uh, year or so for for someone in my role is 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 changing technology. So things like AI, um, you know, I'm, I think we're still at very early stages of working out or what feels like it's a really important thing and, and very valuable. But but you know, but is it where and where where should we use it? Where you know, sh- well, should we should we be using it? Mm. <laughs> and if, if the answer is yes, then where? So that's I think that's something that's um, you know, whether whether the answer to that is yes or no, um, you know, that is something that's that we will need to spend a lot of time thinking about in the well soon, <laughs> very soon. Perfect. And then my final question is, what are you looking forward to in the next twelve months? And that can be work, it can be personal, it can be one of each. Up to you. Yeah. Um, well, so personally, I, um, as I say, my my youngest has now started school, so I'm I'm looking forward to this year now being a little bit more uh, stable <laughs> in terms of they're they're both in the same place, and I can I can only yeah I don't need to worry about dropping off in and picking up in one one place, um, but and and yeah and just you know settling into that. Um, I think, and and professionally, probably, I mean, a bit of the same. I so the, the role I'm in now, I've I have been doing for about a year. Um, so I think I've you know I've spent a year kind of trying to work out what where to start. You know, gather the list of 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 what 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 I think I should be doing. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to this next year being a lot of um, you know actually seeing seeing some some big projects through and and implementing. Um, some real change and, and and seeing the you know the impact that that has so yeah a bit, I think in both both areas a bit you know more of the same uh, but but in a good way okay thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure I think um, I'll double check but I think I'm right in saying you're the first person who I've sat down with who has worked for one company for for the whole career and um, it's been really interesting that there's so many different parts of your role it's it's changed massively over time lots of different experiences to bring from that and you clearly love working there and have enjoyed um every moment of it so it's really I guess sometimes you think oh if they've only been at one place what are we going to talk about after 20 minutes but you've been so lovely to talk to so many different things and I think everyone listening to this there's going to be bits that they'll be just thinking I'm so glad you brought that up 
I can resonate with that. So thanks, a very long thank you, but thanks very much and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. And and actually, I wanted to say a big thank you to you as well, because um, I, it's the one thing I haven't really mentioned around, but, but you know, I'm, I'm involved in, in the diversity uh, or equity and inclusion um, committee at work. And, and, and we think about these sorts of things quite a lot. And, and one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is just how do we, you know, how can we get messages out there to, to people around, you know, what opportunities there are and how, and how, you know, the industry, you know, isn't just for people who can do full time or, you know, people, um, you know, that don't also have the pressure of having you know, little kids running around at home or, or that sort of thing. So, so yeah, so thank you very much for, for, for thinking up the podcast and, and, and implementing it and, and helping us get these messages out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Actuarial People. Please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review. If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.